And welcome to Mandatory Redistribution Party Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Jack Evans. Hi. I am Sean Morley, and we welcome you to our comedy and radical left-wing politics podcast. Yeah, that's what it is, yeah. Welcome. Me and Jack are two comedians who live in the north of England, who perform comedy and secretly are het up about the state of country what, it, what and the world what's het up mean het up it means like you got a lot of energy yeah um, it's like you're uh, honking mad <laughs> it took to use another phrase what like an aggravated goose you've gone into a hulk blitz oh man yeah. hulk goose i don't want to make it sound like i'm angry or that i'm violent i'm just i'm honking mad i'm honking like the worst you're gonna get is a few honks yeah yeah, yeah. Like honk it. and i guess the former honks have taken as this podcast here. Why don't we call it Honk? That's uh, because Bad the name. branding is already solidified. Oh shit! We've yeah. got logos and so we've recorded episodes ready. This isn't we're we're not. This isn't the first one we're recording. We've thing, been dead organised. Honk as well gives off a very honk. different energy. Honk, honk. <laughs> I got some appreciation for it. Last minute rebrand to Honk, honk, and then we can have like a really cool goose as yeah. the symbol. Well, if. You really want to splinter so early and make honk? I might stay aboard. The no, mandatory... honk's just the alternative name for mandatory redistribution. Party. Honk can maybe be like the subscribers only uh, behind the curtain yeah, podcast. Yeah. Tweet us with honk. Yeah, tweet us a honk. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what have what we got this? coming up? What have, what have we? No, made? what is this first? They don't know what it is. Have we done radical politics? Yeah, comedy. Yeah, yeah. That explains it then, doesn't it? All right, okay. Do and I'm going to elaborate else? on that with what's coming up. Okay. Yeah, yeah, go on. So, upcoming, we've got plenty of conversations between me and Jack. We are the bread and butter that keeps the filling inside. Um, we have interviews. Um, we've so far either reached out to or actually met up and discussed stuff with authors, journalists, activists, politicians, historians, academics. Mm-hmm. Um all really looking at radical ideas of how the world could be different than it is now. Uh, me and Jack are both of the mind and also keen on talking to people who share the belief that the world is not going to be fixed through incremental changes towards a slightly better system. <laughs> Capitalism and the way we organise our politics now and the hegemony of our current ideology it can't be incrementally improved in a way that's going to be meaningful it just needs to be replaced uh, there needs to be an overhaul 
the system whereby capital controls who gets to live a long life and who gets to to die in poverty it you cannot pass a few additional laws and improve that that there's something fundamentally wrong and so check the changes we're looking for need to be big what sean's saying is we honking we're honking are you honking are you honking baby ha <laughs> and yet again Honk, which sounded so innocent, Jack's managed to bring a really <laughs> troublesome energy to that. No, really, you're really interfering that into a no. noxious mood. Honking, honking, honking to me is a goose noise, yeah. or it means something stinks. But now you're making me feel like a white. You don't want to honk, huh? You don't want to honk. When you talk about honking, it sounds like a white van man trying to harass a woman. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is because I'm. This is I, I, this is because I'm so ginger that I'm at maximal white levels below, like a disease. I think it's just the raw diagnosis. enthusiasm. I suspect something's deeply wrong. <laughs> I'm enthusiastic about our podcast. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's the honk. I, you don't like the honk? Moratorium. We honking, baby. Moratorium on honking. You started the honking. Yeah, and I'm finishing it. Capitalism. Is it typing internet comments without ever releasing the shift key to unlock the power of shouting in the written word? No. Is it learning all the capital cities that someone's dad in an alehouse quiz? No. Capitalism is an economic system. It is probably the economic system you live in. I know I do. How do you know you are living under capitalism? What are the warning signs? Is it class conflict? Is it cheeseburgers? Is it feeling sad all the time, even when you are happy? No. You don't need capitalism for any of those things. Like a terrible pancake, capitalism is comprised of three ingredients. Private ownership. Private ownership. Wage labor. Wage labor. And profit. Profit. First into the mixing bowl is private ownership. Under capitalism, the means of production are owned privately. The means of production factories, offices, roller coasters, means the places and stuff you need to produce more stuff. That's one kind of capital. Huh, capital, that sounds familiar. Maybe that's what it's called. Private ownership means individuals 
or groups of individuals control the means of production. We, the workers, can only use the means of production if they, the capitalists, allow us. If you're a capitalist and you're listening to this podcast, please stop. Actually, no, please continue. Please subscribe. Please leave a review and recommend us to a friend. Please send me a million pounds so I can buy Sean a boat. It's the least you can do. Capitalists will only let us work for them if they get more out of it than us. In exchange, they'll pay us a wage. Say you get paid £9 an hour. The capitalist only pays you this and only hires you in the first place if the work you do makes them more than £9 an hour. This is the second ingredient of capitalism. Wage labour. Get your whisk, because here comes the third ingredient. Profit. The goal of production under capitalism is to make more money, to generate more capital for the capitalists. Oh, I get it now. The capitalist pays you your £9 an hour for a full day's work. You might get £72. But you don't stop working when you've made that £72 worth of stuff. Oh no, you keep working. Imagine if you heard that sound at the exact point you'd done 72 quid's worth of work. Would you carry on? Everything you do after this point is surplus value. Your work is paying for the rent or the mortgage for whatever building you're in. Your work is paying the wage of whatever middle management person's monitoring what you're doing. And the bit the capitalist most interested in, the profit. That's where that comes from. Take these three ingredients together. We can say capitalism is a system of private ownership and wage labour driven by profit. If you'd like to know more about capitalism, you can check out the big book of capitalism, also known as Capital by Big Daddy K, also known as Special K, also known as Karl Marx, also known as The Big Boy. Or just read the summary by Italian anarchist Carlo Caffiero. Marx likes it, so it is canon. Hey! Let's go deeper. Let's talk about commodities. Commodities. In Big Daddy Carl's Big Book of Capitalism, he starts by talking about commodities. Not class, not inequality. Commodities. That's probably because commodities embody all three elements of capitalism. Private ownership, wage labour and profit. The commodity is like a vertical slice of a delicious but bad for you cake of capitalism. All the other stuff you might hate about capitalism, class division, cheeseburgers and feeling sad, stem from capitalist production. I actually love cheese feeling sad. Under capitalism, we don't work to provide services and products for ourselves or others. We do so for the market. Make something for yourself, that's not a commodity. Sculpt a life-size Waluigi out of chewing gum in your flat for your own enjoyment. Even share that sticky Waluigi with your friends. That's not a commodity. That's just a chewing gum sculpture of Waluigi. Please don't do this. Take the exact same Waluigi sculpture, sell it to a 36-year-old man called Ian under a motorway bridge. Finally, to love. That very same Waluigi becomes a commodity. Under capitalism, businesses make particular products, not for their own use, they make them for market. Facebook doesn't want your details just so they can learn about you. They want to sell those details to advertisers. Capitalism, then, can even turn your personal info into a commodity. Thanks to Facebook, a company now knows you're a 24-year-old lab technician, an uncle who likes pineapple pizza and will try to sell you a hoodie that says so 
the fact you are single has been sold to the company that wants you to know there are hot singles in your area. Commodities are useful to someone. Like someone wants it for some reason. I want a Nintendo Switch so I can play Zelda in the bathroom instead of scrolling through increasingly horrific news stories. Your Tory dad wants an Amazon Prime subscription to watch Grand Tour because the misadventures of The Lads briefly help him imagine a life of automotive adventure and racism without consequence. That is not why the Nintendo Switch or the Grand Tour are made. That's not their value under capitalism. Their value is what they can be sold for, how it can generate profit. When Marx wrote about commodities, most other writing on economics saw the commodity as a physical thing. And Marx defo does think physical objects can be commodities. Check out how much he writes about cloth. But for Marx, a commodity doesn't have to be a physical object. One important example of a commodity that is not an object is work. work. Under capitalism, our ability to work becomes a commodity. We sell our labour power, an employer buys it. They rent our bodies and minds and use our labour power up to make other commodities more valuable. How about a care worker? The commodity that he produces is consumed as he produces it. There's no physical object at the end, a careoid. The care is produced continually and used up. What about a chef? A chef sells her labour power to whoever owns the restaurant mixing it with the ingredients to produce the commodity of, for example, a succulent Chinese meal. Capitalism is always looking for new stuff to turn into commodities. A beautiful beach can be enclosed with fences and rented out. The revolutionary Che Guevara's face can be used to sell t-shirts. Politicians turn their policies into a commodity when outsourcing it to think tanks and PR consultancies. The trees of ancient rainforests become potential furniture. Carbon trading commodifies the very air we breathe. <gasps> breathe it while you can, baby. Let's talk about wage labor. There's two ways you can make money under capitalism. One is by working for a wage. The other is by owning the means of production. The vast majority of us don't own the means of production. And so, under this system, the only way to survive is to sell our time, rent our body and mind in exchange for a wage. This divides society into two classes. Paladin and Necromancer. If your only way to make money is by working, you're in the working class. If you make money by owning the means of production, you're in the capitalist class. Obviously, there's a bunch of cultural ways to break this down further. Like a big shot lawyer's life isn't exactly like the person who cleans their converted windmill. Also, because wage labour is a defining feature of work under capitalism, that doesn't mean all labour gets a wage. Capitalism depends on tons of unpaid work, especially work that's historically and traditionally been done by women. Housework, childcare, or even actually having children. Look, my love, it's a worker. Private companies benefit from this labour without having to ever pay for it. We have to remember the cultural and gendered aspects of class, but the division between those who have to sell their labour and those who do not is fundamental to understanding capitalism. So let's talk about capitalists. Capitalists. When socialists talk about private ownership, private property, they're not talking about your toothbrush or your PS4. They can't be used to produce commodities for profit. Private ownership refers to the means of production, refers to the places and stuff you need to produce more stuff. When you privately own the means of production, such as a factory, that's a type of capital. But when you have a worker in that factory, it can be used to create even more capital. Private ownership means individuals like Richard Branson or Dr. Robotnik 
or groups of individuals, like shareholders, control the means of production. We, the workers, can only use the means of production if they let us, and they'll only do so if we offer value to them. Capitalists, through their control of the means of production, can use money to make more money. They can hire more workers, they can pay for advertising, they can hire lobbyists to convince politicians to lower the minimum wage, or cut their taxes, or cut welfare to discipline the workforce, all with the hope of making more profit. For capitalists, money makes money. When money does that, it becomes capital. So where'd capitalism come from? Isn't it natural, like a yogurt? Hasn't it always been here, like a yogurt? No. Capitalism is not natural, or permanent, or yogurt. Don't put capitalism on your muesli. Slaves in ancient Athens weren't living under capitalism. Peasants in medieval France weren't living under capitalism. But just like many of the people living under slave societies or feudalism, capitalism is seen by those who live in it as inevitable, the only way things could ever be. It's not. Capitalism, a system of private ownership and wage labour driven by profit, began in the Middle Ages in Europe. Peasants used to have access to common land. On this land, they could produce for themselves. The peasants didn't get to keep everything they produced. Look, the Lord's going to take a big cut. Give me those potatoes, boy. They didn't have to hire themselves out to capitalists. Capitalism can only function when this land is taken away. So they did that, and that's what happened. When the people found themselves without any resources to produce things, except their own labour, to survive, they have to sell their labour to capitalists who own all the other resources. And that only started in the Middle Ages in Europe. That spread of private property is just one reason for the anarchist slogan, Property is theft. A very cool book about this whole process, especially its impact on women, is Federici's Caliban and the Witch. You can find it. The Europeans didn't want to keep this system to themselves. They wanted to accumulate more stuff and make more money. So they spread capitalism around the world through state-backed corporations like the East India Company, who had their own army and navy. As it spread, capitalism was resisted, and that resistance was crushed with violence, either directly perpetrated by or legitimized by the state. The state is kind of the fourth ingredient here, a fourth bonus ingredient, or the plate that the pancake of capitalism's on. By the state, I mean something very specific, the group that's monopolized the legitimate use of violence. When you punch someone, it's violence. When the police do it, it's force. When you kill someone, it's murder. When a soldier does it, it's just war. That's because the state has a monopoly of legitimate violence. The capitalist monopoly of the means of production is upheld by the state's monopoly of violence. You try and seize control of your workplace. Your biggest opponent will be the police. You spend an eight-hour shift making something. Take what you made home, the police will come around your house and hit you with sticks so you have to give it back. You try and not pay rent, see who comes round. Capitalists love to talk about rolling back the state, but often what they mean is rolling the state out of the way of capital, cutting taxes, cutting regulations on business, snatching things like water and trains and council houses from the state into the hands of capitalists. But the state isn't rolled back for workers. When these types of policies are pursued, the weight of the boot on the neck of the worker just gets heavier. Union laws are tightened, privatisation means water bills and train tickets and your mortgage, your rent, just feed the capitalist class and make them more powerful. Let's take everything together and sum it up. Capitalism is a system of private ownership, private ownership. and wage labour driven by profit. profit. 
and outside the fever dreams of market fundamentalists, enforced by the laws and violence of the state. The state. And uh, I think capitalism's really bad. Hiya, pal. Um, are you busy at the moment? Uh, no. Okay, so I'm going through episode one and trying to stick the bits together. On the poddy? Yeah, poddy, mandos. Um, so you know how we, like, the best cut we got was of the the honking stuff, where we talked a lot about honking? That was the best best one. That was the best one, yeah. We're not including the... Well, not including the one we talked for a long time about a blood pipette, because that ran to 15 minutes. So that... The, okay. Okay, so our, our, our best one of the five attempts at an intro recording that we did ends up revolving a lot around the honking. And yeah. there's this bit in it where I say, um, because you're honking very enthusiastically and you say, um, are you honking, baby? I, I accuse you of sounding a lot like a white van man uh, harassing a woman. And I think Whoa. it... You laugh. Well, you laughed at the time. Well, this is what I'm saying. It can't, it can't be cut out. It, it, it's too embedded, and you're laughing around it. And well, I feel like it's got some bad I, I'm energy. I'm confident that that is not. I would have meant honking as in a goose. Like I'm imagining an angry goose. When, I, when, I, when I, when you say, when you were saying honking, I was imagining geese like surrounding a, the trespassing famous five and just honking. Yeah, and I, I just want to clarify now as well. I never thought you meant honking in any other kind of... No, I understand. So your concern is not that I was doing that. It's that you have come across as bad towards me by contextually my honk in that manner. Oh, no. Well, actually, no, you've misunderstood again. I I don't really think that people are going to think I've called you out or that Jack Evans needs to be cancelled for honking. It's that by bringing up the idea of gendered harassment as a joke right. at all while we're two men running a podcast ostensibly about liberatory politics i think right. it casts uh, a real bad energy while at the very same time making a a classist assumption about white van men being more likely to harass women it, it it's it, a double whammy it was a real double header yeah dual wield okay but that no you're not that's that's fine you're not like that i'm that, that's fine People won't read that. That would be. <laughs> you can't say you're not like. I, I know in my head that I'm virtuous, but then well, yeah, how do yeah. I account for the times <laughs> when I make mistakes and expect other people not to have a, a previous awareness that I'm actually okay? And you can't use "I'm actually okay" as a defence of anything. That just, it's, it's an absolute meaningless statement. It's well, well, if they knew that you're actually okay, anyway, this is episode one of a creative project. Oh fuck's sake! We can't be saying always oh, actually okay. That's, I, no, it's fine. No one's going to interpret. Only you're just getting paranoid about bad spin. Just live as if already cancelled. Cancel yourself. It's fine. It's stay, it remains the honking segment. We haven't got time to record another one. We uh, blood puppets. There's no the, the honking one stays in. If that's the best one, if that's integral to it, we honking baby. We stay in. We're honking. Yeah. And also, my stepdad was a white van man, and he shouted horrendous things out of the window of that van. So. Are you? Uh, no, uh, uh, women and brown people mainly. Oh shit! So it's. Oh wow, that's why. Then that's where it's coming from. 
that's You've it. Got that echo of the reality <laughs> of it. I've got the echo. Yeah, I'm 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 the Manchurian candidate. Oh, you got activated by yeah. Honk. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> well, not my mission is. Um, okay, so we'll keep it as is, you reckon? Yeah, yeah. Despite concerns that, like, five minutes out of the gate, we've immediately been both sexist and classist. I don't think we've actually been either of those. I'm just what I'm saying no, is, I don't actually think we, we haven't. haven't been either of those things. Right. I'm making a joke from my own background, and while I'm evoking the idea that harassment exists, I'm not endorsing it. I'm just. No! We condemn. Harassment, bad. Mm. Thumbs down. You know, our policy ought not to be that we're going to be like the cool left-wing kids of podcast world. I want our policy to be apologise immediately, every single time. Yeah. Apologise yeah, preemptively yeah, yeah. or apologise immediately after doing anything you think was out of line. If you write a spiked online article, mate, it's game over. Right, that's it. I want us to be the contrition boys. <laughs> we're honking. We're honking. Mate, we're honking. All right, we honk on. And we we honk long. All right, I'll let you get back to work anyway. I... Cheers. Cheers. See you later. It's all it's all right, mate. It's yeah, okay. right. going to be everything's everything's going to be everything's going to be fine. Don't make a promise like that. But this particular issue might not haunt us. That's that's all I want. Okay. Um. I'll see you later and and have a good weekend. Oh, bye. You bye. Have a great time. Bye. bye. Night night. Love you. Good. Love bye. You. Night, Goodbye. Night. Kissing. Bye. Bye. Honk. Bye. Okay, Sean, you're a socialist or one of these things, right? Something, one of them? Or one of these things. One of them, yeah. Yeah, one of the following. Right, who takes out the bins then, mate? Where are the bins, go- where are the bins going in your fucking utopia? When you say take out the bins, do you just mean who's bringing the bin to the end of the street? To get rid of the bins. Who's the bin man? Who's the little bin woman? Oh, bin so who's doing, like, who's bin undesirable, entity? menial tasks? Who's cleaning the toilets? The, I mean, the toilets are a kind of bin. I'm asking about the bin. Machine. Yeah, I've got you, haven't machine, I? The machine. Oh, fuck off. All right, all right, all right. That's not fair. I'm trying to pull, I'm trying to pull a fast one. <laughs> what machine could do? I don't trust machines. I it's think, like a self-driving right. big Roomba thing. I you trust like, them? I feel like I'm being lured into a trap, but what if doing the bins was um, the new national service? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For 14-year-old boys. That's what I mean, yeah. Or we don't have prison anymore, but... If you do job. something, you're now the bin. You're the bins person, and I, I don't want to mean. I'm not happy about it. I'm, I, I, you still got like a big draconian justice system, and if you're still going like right, you're you're on the bins, you stole something. Why are you saying we've got a draconian? Hang on, you're punishing people with the bin system, so there's obviously some sort of mega justice system here. Going Why is it to be a mega there? justice system? Why not um, the elders come? <laughs> You've had this struggle session. <laughs> and you get to nominate how long of bins you do, but in front of a council of your peers. The punishment's not given to you, you select your own, but everyone's watching. Oh. <laughs> Sneaky. Yeah. Right, how many and it's bins called the binning. Yeah. How many bins do you think you should take out as a result of your Me? misdemeanor? No, no, this is what you do. This would be your uh, sentencing. How many bins do you deserve? Because I... 
I feel like I, I, I was raised Catholic, so oh, hey, okay. all, all penance can be discovered through the repetition of a single task, which for me was doing the Hail Mary. But in this society can be just taking the bins out. And which you'd have to more than the Hail Mary provides a concrete, useful service to other people. But if you don't produce enough criminals, every community has to produce enough yeah, criminals exactly, to right? deal with all their own This, this is where I'm saying the mega justicism comes from, because you've got the prison industrial complex, right? So one of the reasons that prisons are necessary is they're used for labour, not necessarily under capitalism, not like fundamentally or ethically necessary. But you're creating a bin industrial complex where we've got to find, we've got to find a bin boy. Everyone's been too good, so we're going to have to invent a new crime to find a bin boy. Hang on. Why can't people just do their own... At the moment, people take their own bins to the end of the street. Yep. But why can't we just expand on that personal responsibility that you don't just take it in the street, you take it to its ultimate destination? In your flat, who takes the bins out? It's me. Yeah, there any, is there anyone else in there? If I remind them. Sometimes if I've got a gig on a Sunday, which is our bin day, right. if I don't Facebook message the house group, bins don't go out. And you're okay with that? Are they not leeching off you? Like little socialist parasites drinking their champagne while you take out the bins i mean sometimes i do resent that i've got to deal with the bins thing but i think it's ultimately about finding a compromise of like i don't mind doing the bins but if you can take up another each according to their ability to exploit them correct the goth program at me like yeah fair dues yeah <laughs> but that some people just don't have a head for certain tasks and no one else seems to remember doing the bins but will do if i ask them you remember to do the bins oh yeah of course sorry i forgot for like the 18th time <laughs> but i want the bins to go out if the bins don't go out we get backed up so i just take them out it's socially necessary isn't it socially necessary, socially necessary bin out. Out, yeah. yeah you can't get not because they got bins so you're coming at it from ob obligation or initially punishment do you not think bin person should be rewarded more i take the bins out so i don't so that we can get rid of more rubbish into our bin you just want more bin space well, no i don't want build up of rotting food where I live. Okay. It's very self-interested. So it's just pure function. But that's what bins are. I mean, what more do you want from a bin? It's not going to gratify me, is it? It's a bin. But you're going to, how, how's it going to get to the landfill? Where's that? What's going on there, mate? Bins now, they go to different places depending on what type of bin it is, right? Yeah, yeah. What kind of bins you got here in Manchester? We got tin and plastic yeah. one. What colour? Brown. Yeah. Blue paper one. Oh, we got the same bins. And then, and then big apocalypse bin, yeah. Um, you're right, I don't have the means to take the entire wheelie bin down to a landfill and then take the, the blue bin down to a recycling plant and then the brown bin to a third recycling plant. Checkmate. I don't have the means to do that. <laughs> Which means all I can think of is I put them in some other nearer area where more is picked up at once by a bin person. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Checkmate. Yeah. And what's their bin one? Bin homunculus problem. Are we definitely saying no one would willingly want to be a bin person? I think, I think they would. I think they would. I think, I think no one would or should probably be a, unless they really want to be, the bin person. That's all they do. Yeah. But there might be someone who does more bin stuff. Maybe it's on a rotor. Everyone does a bit of binning. Yeah. You got yeah. To, it's got to be voluntary, but you're going to be socially obliged to do so. Like there might not be people. There might be people who just do it anyway, and then there might be the people you have to remind, like, "Oh, I just want to take out the bins, Kevin." But I think because it's it's such an important thing, surely that person should get like little perks, a little Kinder Bueno or something. Well, not them because they actually 
like what kind of but, rubbish. Anyway, yeah, hang on, because there was a kind of like nineteen twenties ragged trousered philanthropist, yeah. British socialism, where they they wanted to abolish formalized currency, but they were like single use tokens that people said they could use to like. They had this idea that some people should be rewarded for certain oh, social labor tokens. Well, sorry, it was, kind of, well, it was mm. like this, you could only use this to go to the theatre. That was their like solution to it, and it seems. Okay. It just feels like it does, that doesn't quite... <laughs> that feels bad. Yeah, once you've got transferable tokens, you are slippery sloping right back down into the crevasse. <laughs> um, yeah, everything's getting commodified. But then but then that's why, but to you, how do you solve that problem if you're giving people a reward? What kind of reward could it possibly be? I don't think, I, I don't think it would be a sanctioned reward. I just think naturally people would recognise... Do you think they should just get the kind of social... Like, you know how a doctor in our society gets an automatic social uh-huh. respect? You're saying you flip it so that a doctor... Is a doctor still receiving respect or is a bin man put on parity? Well, yeah. This is... I mean, you quoted that thing from, from, from each according to his ability to each according to his needs. Yeah. Like, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like people go from the premise, they oh, you say you never... You can't... Everyone can't be equal. Equality. It's like a gotcha thing. Yeah. But like Marxist principle is what we just said. It's not absolute equality. Because how what is even the criteria you would measure equality on? With. It's from each according to his ability to each according to his need. If I'm teaching a lesson, I'm not gonna give everyone the exact same lesson and advice. There'll be a student that needs more help with their source skills and I'll spend a bit more time with them helping them get that. There'll be someone who's really good at source skills and I'll give them something to read. To like push them more. Hang on though, because if we're making this, people do what they are able to do, and you employ them along those lines. All these very low, tra- traditionally or currently low status roles mm. are also low skill compared to being a doctor or a surgeon, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you not? Is it not a punishment for people who have like learning difficulties that you make them do these? If you're no, saying no, it still has to be voluntary. It still has to be voluntary. It still has to is be every job voluntary under this. Yeah, of course. Every job is voluntary. Yeah, but then what if there's a? That's why capitalism is bad because it coerces you into labour to work. But wouldn't a centralised organising? Nah. All right, Joseph. No, listen to me. Listen to... I'm just saying. Yeah, voluntary. But yeah. you're also advocating the idea that there would be incentives to go into certain markets where there is a labour shortage. Not incentives. Not like incentives created by a state. In that you sense. can't then say, I think oh, we, the centralised bureau, said that this is now an esteemed job, so everyone... Because the only reward you've said is like a certain kind of social praise. Well, yeah, well, no, because all the value system, like, no one's saying, no, no, like, conspiratorial group has said, we are going to value doctors or bankers. Sure, but now More you're saying, well, what if they did? <laughs> and that's how you... That's how no, you no, no, no. But, like, I'm saying if, if you took away... If you had a different economy, if you had a, a, a collective shared economy mm-hmm. where the workers own the means of production and work is controlled democratically, voluntarily, then people... It wouldn't happen immediately, but eventually people's value systems would change and the culture would change. And that you would... I, I would hope, I want to believe, I don't know, I can't know, that what is valued will change. People recognise people doing jobs that, that are a bit horrible, like taking the bins out, cleaning out sewer or whatever, and people will be respected and like praised for that. And then it will also be recognised as someone like a doctor. Yeah, okay, they've got this, they're doing a cool thing and they're like helping people stay alive or whatever. 
but their training came from society. They didn't get anything from, yeah, okay, they, they worked hard and they might be ta- talented or whatever, but the only reason they can have the knowledge they have is on the shoulders of not just the people in the society that exist at the minute, but, but that they're in, but like centuries of workers' labour and discovery and intellectual work and the, the society that taught them, that they owe something back to that society that gave them that knowledge to be a doctor. I'm not saying like people be like, oh, don't be a doctor, that's shit. So the only labour that will be happening is labour that's either valuable functionally or people want to do. But you're you're relying on that. You're relying on a very specific switch of values, which is, seems like it's so unpredictable. You're relying on a very specific confluence of social attitude adjustment in order for there to be a bin collection that works. So what is what is your solution then? Well, I've come up with a much better one. All right, it's obviously daft that everyone takes all of their personal rubbish to the tip, which is why under our current system, someone or some people take a lot of rubbish from a large area to the tip at once. So why couldn't, through social organisation, we just re-engineer the same thing when our street and the street next to it, we have a meeting, we go, listen, could one of us take some time out of the day to hire like a trailer and put all the bags on it? And... I don't know, we'll give you like a, a chicken or we'll give you something from our allotment or we will recognise your deeds in some way that we can all agree on. Yeah, that's yeah. the same as what I think. Oh, I was just talking about a different aspect of it. But it has to be collectively organised and still voluntary. But I could see it, if you get everyone on the table, look, we've all got this individual problem, which is all of us, we need to get our hmm. rubbish gone. Yeah. Is anyone able to do this and we'll come up with like a suitable reward or recognition for your time? Because you're doing something that for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As long as it's not labour tokens. Well, what if it's just like Nando's voucher? Well, I was just going to say numbers carved into stones. <laughs> <laughs> so what do I do with these? Whatever you like, Ted. <laughs> Be yours, have a... And thanks again. <laughs> Mandatory Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Evans. Our title theme was created by Ella Jean. Additional music created by Sean Morley and Jack Evans, with the exception of Antonin Dvorak's Piano Quintet No. 2, which was created by Antonin Dvorak. If you are able to help us out by liking, subscribing, writing positive reviews or smashing that bell, uh, that will trick a number of algorithms into giving us better visibility and we would appreciate it very much as our information economy is held in a stranglehold by machines. Thank you for listening, and on the insistence of Jack, I've included one of our aborted takes of recording an intro section for the show as a post-credits outtake. Welcome to Mandatory Redistribution Party. Hi, your friends. Welcome aboard this classic vessel. Choo-choo! Oh, I was imagining a boat, but that's fine. I'm no, not... you can have a boat that's powered by a steam... Yeah, I completely forgot. Well, does a steamboat go choo-choo? Yeah, but just like it's a more of a fog Audi. horn. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's more of a sonorous tuba. We can be a water train or the wet train. A wet train is that a? You're looking at me like I'm a fucking idiot. Well, no, a wet train has happened. I mean, what? in Brit- <laughs> what trains have got wet because they go outside? Yeah, no, I was imagining a train that went over the sea. What, do you think the official name for this submersible train would be a wet train? Uh, No, I'd call it uh, aqua... Aqua tube. Aqua tube, but the the tube is spelled C-H-O-R. Oh, yeah, aqua tube. Aqua tube. Yeah. 
I think that's what you'd call a wet train if it was marketed as a confection for children. Why not both? Why not have the real vehicle? But also and a delicious give it the marketing you would to yeah. a, a petit filou. I know you the way you said wet train. You, you, oh, we had, you, you could probably hear airs. it in the way he, he said it. It had the airs of, oh, have you not heard of this? Have you not heard of a wet train? Yeah, you like, cretin. You look like me, like a goon, like a silly yeah, sausage. Yeah, like an absolute mook. <laughs> Welcome to episode one of Mandatory Redistribution Party Podcast, a comedy and radical left-wing politics podcast. Both. It's both of those things, but it's never both of those things at the same time, as we do not believe that's possible. Something can be interesting or funny. Can't be both. And it can only just move quickly between those two states. It's the same way that the atoms in our hands means that we can never truly touch something because there is a strong electromagnetic field on a... There's atoms in my hand. There's atoms in the centre of your Isn't hand. Isn't that radioactive? I've got a Chernobyl hand. You would have to dig into your hand to get it out. I'm going to get that out. A spoon? Hmm? A spoon, yeah, a spoon is a work or a straw or a pipette. A sharp pipette. Pipette should be a weapon. Knife pipette. Do you think anyone's ever used a huge pipette like a gun blade from final fantasy oh so i was or, thinking of like you know like a bayonet attachment on a on an army rifle but it's a pipette <laughs> <laughs> so you run over the trenches <laughs> yeah. and then you get shook and then you can suck blood out for blood transfusions then, in the medical tent yeah yeah so yeah. you run back to your team and then share the blood between your men here you go lads i'm back jack's like miming squirting the blood out with a trigger as though you'd run back and squirt the blood no it's onto... no i'm squeezing so to clarify my mind that you you you, you can't hear you would hold the gun, okay, listen, you hold, There's do a, lot a mime, going do a mime to hold the gun, right? You follow along with me. So you're holding the gun, you're like whether you're right-handed or left-handed. So one of your hands is the trigger hand, other hand is like the pipe, the death end of the rifle, it's holding the, the gun, really bullet good. pipe. Yeah. You hold that, and then I imagine the pipette control, would. I would move my, I'm holding the trigger with my right hand, mm -hmm. I would move it just slightly forward, and then I'd be able to pipette, Ooh. right? So that's I'm glad people mistaken. can't see this mime yeah, because it's, um, it's a very, it's like... I mean, it, Sean's now interpreting the mime as like a gropey, but it's, it's exactly... It's like the, an upside-down udder. I'm not m m milking the blood out because it wouldn't, it's not, it's going to come a out of the, the, the form fire. Of yes, in a way, I mean, when I, okay, so when I've got the enemy and I've inserted my pipette into yeah. his vein, juicy vein, yeah. then I'm going to pip, I'm going to pip the pipette which is, I, I don't know, I'm going to grab it. Yeah, I get you. Pip, 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 pip. So then, and then I'm going to suck out his blood. Yeah. Sorry, mate, this isn't me. This is See, war. This is, this is the, the war machine. You've clarified the one right. part of the story I understood. It's the, what happens when you return with this pipette. Yes. Well, that's next. So I run back across no man's land to my lads. Yeah. Like, ah, the war! Yeah, Etc. Yeah, yeah. Classic refrain. Right. So then I jab my pipette into my little mate, little Tommy. Yeah. You know, we both volunteer when we're 14. And then squeeze. You're not, yeah, a, con yeah. you're not a conscript. It's year one of World War One when everyone's queuing up like, oh, yeah, yeah, it'll yeah, be yeah. over by Christmas. Yeah, we've got to defend yeah, the father. Yeah, it's one of them. What a little and bit then, of glory when we're back for Christmas. Yeah. Into him. Yeah. Tragedy, wrong blood type. I was going to say. I've just murdered him. Yeah. But I don't know. I thought what I was doing was right. And that's <laughs> yeah, all that matters. You're 14. Yeah, yeah. You've just been at the Somme. You can't be expected to know about blood types. Yeah. It's not just about actions is about intent mm, intent actually above actions yeah normally that's mm. what comedians argue what i was going for was this and yes you may have taken it that way and yes i may have said that that's not what i meant i meant some other thing that wasn't present in the show ah that was too much for me to do in the take <laughs> <laughs> no i think that i think that might have been good yeah i don't know 
This is people's first landing strip yeah, yeah, into yeah, the yeah, show, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah, we've yeah. really given them a very jagged. <laughs> we should put that on the end and go. Here's the first take of yeah, that's our fun. intro, where uh, <laughs> this is our first try introducing it. Where it was people's try number one. Yeah, first experience of the show.